No. No. Yeah, maybe. Oh, hell yeah! A match! A whole year later! Jesus. The heck is that? Hey, man! The heck is all that? I just joined Tinder last night. What the f What's up, guys? I'm your host, Mima. And I'm your co-host, Johnny G. And we are... Chimps on a Keyboard! A memes secretory project. Did you know the star from Breaking Bad was a part of dating technology history? Would you believe me if I told you that Tamagotchis paved the way for finally lonely singles near you? How would you feel if you found out that the idea for the movie You've Got Mail was recycled from the 1800s literature? On today's episode, we are going to explore the history of online dating and dating technology. Not only are we going to explore the apps and sites that are popular today, but we will travel back in time to show you for as long as technology has evolved, dating has been involved. So tighten up your Tinder bios and dust off your pickup lines and join our chat line about matchmaking tech. I don't understand, like, what the hell are you doing it's different? It's just how like, it is. It's just how it is. No, that's not how it is. Like... I don't understand. Like, what, what, what's going on? What's okay, your secret? Okay. We're, we're live. We are live we, now. Are we? Yes, we, we're already live. Welcome back, y'all. Uh, thank you for swiping right on today's episode, and I am excited for our date today about exploring the complicated relationship between technology and matchmaking. But you know what? Let's first get to know each other a little bit more. Hi, everyone. I am Mima. I'm an IT professional and a tech enthusiast. I've been in IT for 14 years, and I started Memes Targetory as a YouTube channel that focuses on knowledge increase and career advancement. The channel publishes tech tutorials, career advice, and technical projects. And I am Johnny G. I am also an IT professional and tech hobbyist. I've been in the industry for about 12 years, but you can catch me tinkering with my 3D printer behind a camera or finding excuses to involve a Raspberry Pi. I've teamed up with Mima here to help bring knowledge to everyone. We have many projects brewing, so stay tuned to the end to find out where to follow us and what we have in store. So, Mima, you and I are no strangers to love. We've both been really? on apps. We know this. When was your first time, or when did you first download an app, or what was your first app? Tell us your beginning um, experience. Okay. The first dating app that I knew of was Tinder. I don't remember what year that was. Probably 2012? 2012? Yeah. Wow. Well, I don't remember being on dating apps for that long, but I do know that I've been kind of using social media as my dating thing. I've been on a couple of websites like MySpace, you know, remember that one? Facebook, My Yearbook, <laughs> uh, Gaia Online, World of Warcraft. Okay. We're talking about dating apps. Well, well they're apps Video games. and I got dates out of them, okay? Okay, well, that's great. I went to a World of Warcraft wedding. Did you? Yeah. How did that go? It was freaking cool. So we all met at this popular mountain, you know, in our characters, of course. And uh, I witnessed the wedding. And the wedding was actually an official wedding. Because the person, there was uh, an actual ordained person that was leading the wedding. And we all were witnesses. So in real life, they were also married. That's, that's cool. That's crazy. That's yeah, pretty that cool. Fun. You don't hear about those very often. Because nobody wants to talk about it. <laughs> did you, like, dress up your character? Hell yeah, I did. I had all my tears. Really, you just spec out your tears as high as you can because oh. that's how cool well, you What are. about, like, your mount or your pet? Did you have one of those? I did, yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it came with me. It took me there, actually. You know, I'm going to climb the mountain by myself. These types of weddings would have been perfect for, like, you know, the pandemic when coronavirus hit. Now, speaking of apps here, when do you think the first dating app was brought out to the public? First dating app, first dating app. 2007. 2007? Yeah. Which app was that? I have no clue. I was just a huge guess. Oh, my God. <laughs> I literally don't know. All right. So a lot of people like to attribute and credit uh, Tinder for being one of the first ones, which came out in... 2012. 2012? Mm-hmm. Didn't you just say 2012? I said 2011, so obviously my dates are wrong. Ah, 2012. <laughs> I knew it was sometime around there. Oh, no, I did say 2012. I just graduated college. Huh. Yeah, and I was so, like, now I got to go out there and find somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I got my education. Now I got to find my my husband or wife, whatever. <laughs> what have you. The first dating app is actually a bit controversial because it is a bit of a gray area. 
we kind of have to first define what an app is, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think an app would be? An app today would be anything you can download from the Android, uh, what is it called? What do they call it? Play Store or the Apple Store. That's an app. Well, that, yeah, that's probably the modern interpretation of app. But what if I told you that before smartphones, we had something called PDAs, personal digital assistants. And most of these PDAs actually had their own app store as well. PDA store? (laughs) Yeah, PDA store. (laughs) Public displays displays of affection. Affection store. (laughs) Yeah. Now, let's let's redefine, you know, smartphones, PDAs, apps, Play Store, all this stuff. So the first smartphone technically was the IBM Simon, and it actually happened to have its own type of uh, uh, application repository, or what would you call a app store nowadays? I wonder what apps they had on PDAs, like very primitive calculators. Well, from, from what I've seen, it was usually like things like you know email applications, what they call a Rolodex at the time, which was really just your contact list. <laughs> just general small items that can help you with day-to-day tasks. Oh, the date book. Did they have a date book in PDAs? What's a date book? A date book was basically a calendar. They called it a date book. Yeah. So if you take a look at the internet, a lot of people would say the, the Tinder was the first one back in 2012. But in reality, there was an app called Proxy Dating that was released in 2003 by a French company, Kangarouge. Like kangaroo, uh, like the animal. And rouge, which is the color red or a blush. Rouge. Yeah, like the blush that you put on your on your cheek. So kangaroos, they they started in two thousand three. There was very little credible sources to be found to show that proxy dating was released in two thousand three. But by two thousand four, through the Internet Archive, you can see that their website listed proxy dating as one of their apps. The way this worked is that this app was able to be downloaded on on phones at the time. I wouldn't say smartphones, but phones at the time um, that ran applets, and it used Bluetooth signals to help find other matches around you. Yes, it was uh, a 50-foot radius. A 50-foot So whoever was, uh, was close enough, you can get it on. Nice. Now, crazily enough, before proxy dating, there was another proximity-based dating service that was rolled out in Japan. Raise your hand if any of you ever had a Tamagotchi or a Gigapet. Me! Do, do you remember those? Heck yeah. How many people, how many of our audience member raise their hands? Yeah, I, I can't tell because it's a podcast. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> In Japan, there was this device that rolled out called the Love Getty. So the Love Getty was this silver looking key fob that kind of resembled a similar device like a Tamagotchi or, or a Gigapet. It was wireless and it detected other people around you with a Love Getty device as well, as long as both of you had a matching setting. The device itself had three different modes. One for chat, one for karaoke, and one for get to, or looking for love. That's awesome. Of course, since it was Japan, karaoke was one of the bigger settings there. Who doesn't want to go for karaoke? The device was introduced in 1998, and it sold for 21 bucks each, and approximately 1.3 million units were sold. How insane is that? Only in, in Japan? Yeah. And it's just a device you carried around with you. Imagine just walking around and suddenly like a beeper-like device in your pocket <laughs> buzzed around because some cutie was around you. 21 bucks is not bad. That's that's pretty cheap. Pretty cheap. And it worked, apparently. So you could just get together for karaoke, or what was the settings for? There was one for chat, so you can get, like go for a coffee and talk to each other. One to, I guess, step it up a notch and go to karaoke. And another <laughs> setting that said get to... And it was somehow also translated for looking for love. Who mm-hmm. knows what that really means if you want to get serious or if you wanted to go to one of their specialty branded love hotels, you know? <laughs> that sounds fun. I would have loved to have one of those. What, a love hotel? <laughs> no, a little Tamagotchi looking love getty. A love getty? That sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> now, once again, dating apps is kind of a blurred subject itself. Before apps were around, websites were still very much a thing, and including that was dating matchmaking websites. Yes, the first online dating service is Match.com. It came out in 1995, but there's actually dating services that came out way before that, and we're going to go back to 1983 and talk about Matchmaker. 
Matchmaker was created by Gregory Scott Smith in Texas in 1983, and it actually started off as a BBS, or a, a bulletin board system. A bulletin board system, or a computer bulletin board system, is a computer service running software that allows users to connect to systems using a terminal program. It began as a dial-up system, and it was originally conceived as a pen pal network for everyone. There was no membership fees, and the system operated on user donations. Wow. A BBS, huh? <laughs> a BBS to find BBWs or BBCs, or what have you. <laughs> So at this time, the system catered to geographical area codes and telephone area codes. As email services were created, Matchmaker became one of the larger email networks uh, prior to the rise of the internet. Wow. In 1987, the software became available to franchise, and that's where it became funded by user subscription. Um, in 1992, the system became a Telnet-based service... So instead of a BBS, now we went to Telnet, and it allowed access from anywhere in the world without the need for a telephone, like long-distance charges. The site went online and became an actual website in 1996. Oh, so Match.com beat it to its punch to become a website. Exactly. So this was the first network dating service, but Match.com beat it to the website game. Oh. In... The year 2000, Matchmaker was acquired by Lycos, I think I said that right, um, and they sold it for $44.5 million in cash. So that's how big it was back then. It was 4 million users at that time. Um, in February of 2006, the site was purchased by another LLC, and in sadly, in 2016, the site was finally shut down. Hold on. How much money? In the year 2000, 44.5 million. 44.5 million mm -hmm. and $2,000. That is insane. And they had 4 million users at the Wow. That's pretty good. That's, that was successful if you ask me. Mm -hmm. Before Matchmaker, there was Operation Match. And this is defined as the first computer dating service in the United States. It came out in 1965. The predecessor of this was created in London and was called St. James Computer Dating Service. That one started in 1964. How this would work is users filled out a paper questionnaire, mailed them with a $3 fee, of course. Um, this service was focused on younger college students looking to date but not quite ready for marriage. So the questionnaire was then transferred into a punch card and processed on an IBM 7090 computer. If you don't know what a punch card is, it's basically a stiff piece of paper that holds digital data and it's uh, represented by the presence or absence of holes. Operation Match started by Harvard University undergrads and a student at Cornell University. Shortly after, three out of the four students started their own company called Compatibility Research Inc. And going back a few more years, the first computer online dating came out in 1959. It was called Happy Families Planning Service. This was started as a Stanford project created by two electrical engineer students. They fed a survey through a massive IBM 650 mainframe um, to match 49 males and 49 females. This questionnaire also used punch card. Once paired, the dates all met at a party hosted by the two students, but results did not produce any long-term relationships. I'm assuming it was awkward to meet online back then, like, I bet people were kind of ashamed, like, like, no, we didn't meet online. Well, that is for sure a thing. Um, it was always a stigma. If, if someone mentioned that they met through some matchmaking service or even an app or something, it was frowned upon somehow. People just found it strange and weird because it was just unexplored territory. I think when the first apps came out, like, nowadays, like in 2012 with Tinder, I think that was also the case where it's like, oh, no, we didn't meet online. We met at, you know, the park or the grocery store. Yeah, I, I, I remember that as well. A lot of people were, I remember seeing a lot of movies that were based off Tinder matchmaking apps or movies, TV shows, etc. And they always came up with an excuse like, if they ask you, we didn't meet on an app. Yeah, exactly. Like, we met this way somehow. 
Yeah, it was always a, it was always a um, a stigma. I mean, nowadays no one gives a crap. No one cares. Well, everyone nowadays finds it hard to meet someone in person, so it's like we we all assume that whoever if there's a new relationship, they all met online basically. I mean, there's a lot of, there's always there's always has been pushback, but it's a new standard. This has been around for way longer than people even know about it. And that's why we were doing this podcast actually. Mm-hmm. Now, the common denominator with all these things that we mentioned were either some kind of computational device, a computer, a smartphone, a Tamagotchi. But quite honestly, with every leap of technology that there is, somehow dating and matchmaking came along with it. It's always had some weird, rocky relationship when it came with technology. It just came hand in hand, basically. Yeah, that's right, Johnny. Actually, the Gutenberg Press came out around 1440, and by 1600s, the newspapers was the main source of news and information. I found an article from 1695 where a 30-year-old British bachelor placed a personal ad in the newspaper looking for a good young gentlewoman that has a fortune of 3,000 euros or thereabouts. Have you submitted your application for this? I don't have 3,000 euros. (laughs) Anyway. During this time, newspaper love ads were mainly posted by heterosexual males, but in time, there were many different people posting to find love, even ones with different preferences. That's right. If you go back in history, there were many laws against homosexuality or other preferences, some even threatening prison time or even death. In order for other preferences, you know, homosexual males, homosexual females, for them to meet up, the only way that they had without you know, being ostracized in public was through these personalized ads, also talking in code. Later on, it was just mostly these other preferences that were dominating these love ads. Yeah, there was such a high volume of ads that even a column came out called Lonely Hearts Column. A newspaper for singles came out called The Matrimonial News in the 1870s, and it was very popular. Um, Men paid 25 cents to take out an ad, while women were free. Oh, great. Double standards. (laughs) That's right, ladies. Even back then, we got things for free. If we think about long-distance communication, one of the newest things that we have right now is FaceTime and webcam. Mm -hmm. What what was before all that? What would you say before all that? Texting. Okay, texting. That's for Mm -hmm. sure. Uh, Emails. Okay, well, what about before emails? Phone calls. Right, and you can say all those helped with, like, communicate with your loved one, right? Yeah, especially if they're far away. What do you think about telegraphs? Telegraphs? Yeah, those, you know, those weird machines that you press on a button and it gives you like dots and morse codes. Oh, cool. Or I wouldn't even think about that. Electrical signals being sent out and translated on a ticker tape, a roll of paper, <laughs> just clicking. Can you would you believe that that had a dating scene? I mean, now I would that you brought it up, but it wouldn't even cross my mind if you didn't. Well, yeah. So, the first commercial telegraph was invented and brought out in 1837. Jobs for women weren't that big of a thing. In fact, they mostly didn't have any other job except staying home and tending to the house or taking care of the children. taking care of the kids. Yeah, or if they did have jobs, it'd always be house duties, like, you know, like a maid or something, right? But in the 1850s, there was a need for telegraph operators. And women were suddenly allowed to be employed and run telegraph stations. Telegraphs were also important because as opposed to sending out a letter, I mean, mail, through horse and carriage, telegraphs were instant and it helped transmit information instantly. It was a huge leap for a lot of technologies back in the day. What also evolved out of that was a dating scene. Before people knew it, people were able to figure out one operator from another by their writing styles and in such they were also able to guess who was a male and who was a female just simply by their writing styles people started chatting through other um, telegraph operators who they would constantly talk to this became such a hit that literature of the time started creating its own genre called telegraph romance some (laughs) of the best-selling books were about love stories that circled around the gimmick of either being a telegraph operator or two lovers that just so happened to be able to communicate through Morse code or some other telegraph communication. So yes, believe it or not, the storyline for You've Got Mail was actually recycled from telegraph romances. 
The best-selling book of the genre was called Wired Love, A Romance of Dots and Dashes, which also happens to be the title of a modern-day documentary about this love scene on telegraphs. The book was written by Ella Cheever Thayer. Interestingly enough, that same book has one of the early mentions of the concept of catfishing. Although the term hasn't been invented then, catfishing became a central point for some of these books. In fact, Wired Love had something to do with catfishing, but I do not want to ruin the story for you um, if you ever feel like... Yeah, no spoilers. Yeah, if you ever feel like reading that book, I won't tell you what's up with it. So catfishing started a long time ago. What year was that? This was in the 1850s. 1850s, and there's I doubt they called it catfishing, but... Wow, people are sneaky, huh? Right? Now, all this happened in the late 1800s, like 1880s and on. But the idea of computer-aided matchmaking um, has been around for quite a while. In fact, you can find an article in the 1920s, specifically an article in 1924's Science and Invention magazine by the author Hugo Gernsback. In that article, he outlined how you can use technology-aided tests to see if you and your partner are a compatible match. He mentioned testing things like physical attraction, which required electrodes attached to each person's wrist and also mechanically uh, measuring each person's uh, breathing to see how you physically react to seeing your partner. You also had a sympathy test where one of the partners was subjected to trauma and the other partner's vitals were measured to see if they had some sort of reaction to that. If they did, then it meant that they had some kind of sympathetic connection to them. Uh, Another positive sign for attraction or compatibility. Two of the weirder tests that he mentioned in there was, one, the body odor test. And as it sounds, (laughs) one of the subjects, usually the male, was put inside this plastic enclosure with a tube protruding out of it. And the partner would take a smell out of that tube to see if they're able to stand their body odor. Back then, body odor was such a big thing, and our technology for, for odor reduction hygiene was not that advanced. It's still a big thing. Still a big thing today. Yes, please take your showers, guys. (laughs) The other test, the weirder one, is called a nervous disorder test. And the idea was to surprise them both with a gunshot and see how they would react. The idea is one of them should remain calm and under pressure, ideally the man, because if both of them either panicked, then that would not be a good idea for a match for them. That's really interesting. Is there any stats there? I assume everyone's going to jump at the sign of a surprise gunshot. I'm pretty sure. If you're, if you're not surprised by a gunshot, then I don't know if you're human or not. That's Imagine crazy. Imagine how many uh, failed relationships like died that day because everyone jumped out of fear. <laughs> the guy coming back from war with PTSD. <laughs> now, unfortunately, these were just outlined in an article. There was no actual evidence that these tests were, were brought out. This was just an idea by uh, Hugo Gernsbrack to see if we can jumpstart some kind of technology-aided uh, matchmaking. Oh, so he was trying to do some type of scientific experiment. Basically. Just without pure science. Correct. Cool. That's creative. Now, after telegraphs and, you know, mainframe computers, the next step in technology was basically television and video. That's getting into our generation, finally. (laughs) Wait, you weren't weren't alive during telegraph times, right? No. Why? Do I look that old? (laughs) Sometimes. But no, I was saying, I remember the television. I remember... The radio. You were there when the television was invented? I mean, the... no, but it's still here. Uh, you so could have fooled me. I thought we're you were. in our generation. <laughs> <laughs> see what happens when I banter? You see? I'm going to leave that in the episode. Um, <laughs> we, this one, we should definitely have like a, a blooper reel because there's so many already. I had to take my glasses off to say that. Now, believe it or not, many of you out there might be old enough to remember skits from Mad TV or SNL where they had, uh, where they made fun of video dating services. And by video dating services, I don't mean like FaceTime, Omegle, or all these other spicy websites that are out right now. Spicy. <laughs> spicy. 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 <laughs> If some of you out there remember the uh, that the skit's called Lowered Expectations, they made fun of people who would be in front of the camera and basically give out their Tinder bio of the time uh, to try and get some matches, and then they would have some kind of like number at the bottom. Now, 
That was actually based off a service called Great Expectations. Great Expectations was founded in February of 1976 on Valentine's Day. The founder, Jeffrey Ullman, got the idea from a college friend um, who was telling him about all her dating mishaps. And he decided, you know what, maybe I should create a service that helps matchmaking or dating. Jeff was originally into journalism and would dabble a lot with video. Jeff brought this idea up to his parents and his parents liked the idea so much that they gave him a small loan to start up this venture. And with that, he started up some local offices in his city. And what people would do is they would drop into that office, pay for the service, they would put them in front of a camera and they would just give out a bio. Now they would keep an archive of these videos so that when they had the next person come in, they would be able to search through these videos and see if they would find a match. And that, that's how it worked. The center started rolling out in different metropolitan cities um, and expanded pretty much throughout the whole United States. The service was such a hit that other services came out of it, such as Once for Celebrity Dating. Great Expectations lasted for a long enough time that they were able to open up their own website in the late 1990s, uh, only accessible to members, of course. It wasn't like a public website like Match.com. Here's a small bit of trivia for you. Brian Cranston of Breaking Bad fame, or the dad in Malcolm in the Middle, kind of got his start off by being a videographer for Great Expectations. Oh, that's so cool. Who would have thought? I didn't even know he was into that. Mm -mm. Now, a year before that, in New York, another service was started called Video Meet in 1975. Of course, it wasn't as big as Great Expectations and it didn't last that long either. Other companies popped up including Visual Dates Limited, Teledate, Introvision, you know, like introvert, haha, <laughs> Datamax, like, you know, Betamax, and Video Date. But Great Expectation was the only one that lasted until the late 20th century. Did they all work the same? Yeah, it was mostly the same thing. Once someone comes up with a formula, other people just followed suit and copied it. Although in this case, VideoMate was the first one, but Great Expectations just took the ball and ran with it, and they were the most successful one. Nice. I wonder what stood out like from that versus all the other ones. I believe it was just the reach. Like They had a much bigger archive or... Who knows? Maybe it was a price range. Now, the next leap in day technology can be kind of a, a backward step, really, because we're going from video back to phone. Now, some of you out there might remember this little thing called uh, chat lines. Mima, did you did you ever use chat lines? I've never used chat line, but I knew a lot of people that did. They would call in. Yeah, it was all the rage from what I remember in my middle school years and high school years. Wait, did you ever use the chat line? I think I remember calling it once or twice. I remember hearing my friends talk about it, mostly girls. They would just like dial these numbers and they would like join in this like this chat line room-ish through your phone and you could just randomly say things and I guess people would find a way to talk to each other that, that way and then just I guess move it out of the chat line. Um, but I, at the time, I didn't know these were around since the 1980s. Yeah, I mean, we were barely born. I don't think we were even born at that time. I was born in the 80s. I'm, I'm sorry, not, what year? I'm going to go with, I'm, I was an 80s child. Mima. 88. Just. I was in the 80s. I had a whole year to run around. You cannot say in you're born. You cannot say you were an 80s kid by being <laughs> born in the 1980s. You missed all of the 80s at that point. Come on. So the first chat line uh, might have started as a dating service in California around 1981. Um, when it first came out, it was new and novel. And it blew up as a trend. It became such a profitable service, and most of them are still around to this day. Have you ever heard of Live Links? There's still chat lines out? There's still chat lines out right now. Wow. Like I said, chat, uh, Live Links is one of them. Even and with all this technology, we're still yeah. calling into chat lines. I, yeah, and there's websites dedicated to like um, review them as well. Teens happen to be the main demographic for the chat lines. And these innovators knew it. They took full advantage of being able to advertise these chat lines during times that teens were in front of TVs and such, or through comic books or teen mags. There have been reports of teens raking up bills up in the hundreds. In fact, there was one account where a boy raked up a four thousand one hundred sixty-eight and eighty-nine cent bill. Oh my gosh! In eighties money. That is so much money. Yeah. Like, how many hours of talk time was that? Who knows, but chat lines were big, and they're still around to this day. Was there not a limit? Oh, well, I mean, no. Why would they put a limit on making money? Yeah, it, it was a bit... <laughs> it kind of is a bit of a predatory service, not to mention that a bunch of, like, 
older people also flooded these chat lines that were meant for teens too and did all sorts of disparaging things. That's where Dateline came from. That's where Dateline came Where do you think Dateline got its name from? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it did not. I'm <laughs> like, not. what? <laughs> that completely makes sense. All right, so moving away from chat lines, we're going to now talk about dating websites. So earlier we said Match.com was the first one that came out in 1995, but there's actually one that came out in 1994. It's called Web Personals, and it's run by, it was run by a group of grad students and one high school smarty, Andrew Conru. Oh, I've heard about this guy. Awesome, yeah. So he came up with this idea in his dorm room uh, as a coping mechanism after being um, dealing with a breakup. So he just got broken up with, and he uh, he wanted a way to kind of kickstart his dating life. Well, that's kind of appropriate. Web personals allowed you to add a full biography about yourself and included large photos. This site was built in two months, written in C++, and within 18 months, the site had about 120,000 signed up, and most were college students. Huh. I don't know if this is the same website, but Andrew Conru is also the same guy who helped start Adult Friend Finder, believe it or not. Do you know what about that? I think this is the same guy, yeah. Now, in 1996, Andrew Conru, I don't know if it's the same website, he started up a website called uh, Friend Finder, and it was meant to be one of the first social network websites out there. However, when he started that service, he started noticing that people started posting salacious pictures and soliciting others to join him in extracurricular activities, if you know what I mean. Um, as a response, Andrew Conru released Adult Friend Finder specifically for that cause. Adult Friend Finder got so big that even later on, Flo Rida released a music video <laughs> for his song Touch Me on a, an Adult Friend Finder. Oh, wow. Right? They got pretty big, you remember? Then. You remember Flo Rida? Of course I remember him. Hell yeah. Yeah, so Web Personals had a great run, but Match.com beat them. Uh, in 1995, they came out, and within the first six months, they had over 100,000 users. What a start. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, they became a monthly subscription-based model, and they sold to, what is this, Sentent Corp. in 1998 for $7 million. Jesus. Yeah, no kidding, dude. They beat all the other ones out at that time, they're still around to this day. Yeah, I think they're still going strong. Um, the next one that came out was eHarmony, which is also still out. That came out in the year 2000. It took a clinical psychological approach while aiming to unite compatible people through scientific methods. Um, this website finds compatibility in 32 different dimensions or categories, and that's how people get paired up. Yeah, eHarmony. They were their commercials were huge back in the day. I remember that. They would start off with like the intro to the "Build Me Up Buttercup" song, um, and you'd have like testimonials of different couples. And in the end, some guy would come out with glasses, an older guy, and I think he was a psych professor or something. He would just say like, you know, find true love today or something like that. Oh, I remember those back in the day. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't remember those commercials. I didn't really watch TV. I guess I'm just making them up. <laughs> In 2002, two different websites came out. There was Friendster and Ashley Madison. I oh. never actually heard from, about Friendster. Have you ever heard of Friendster? Yeah, it was kind of like MySpace. It was competing with MySpace at the time, um, but I never got into it. I was just more mm -hmm. of a MySpace person. Got it. Yeah, no, I, I never heard of it. So it connected friends, family, and strangers. It provided a free virtual space uh, to meet potential dating partners and... Through this was one of the earliest iterations of profile messaging. Ashley Madison also came out in 2002. You guys oh. probably remembered this one. Yeah. So this one launched as a network service for extramarital relationships. Extramarital. That's kind of scandalous. They <laughs> were founded in January 21st of 2002. And like Mima mentioned, it was a dating site to find affairs. In fact, the cash line was, life is short, have an affair. <laughs> Love that. It was too scandalous that they had plans to be launched in Singapore, but was shut down due to grounds of morality. It was just such a weird site. Um, interestingly enough, just recently, 
Um, they had a major data breach back in July 15, 2015. The leak included emails showing the founder used to use a site to have affairs multiple times, despite claiming numerous times that he would never cheat due to the fact that his wife would not be able to handle the news right. What a hypocrite. <laughs> um, so you mentioned the data breach in 2015. Do you remember what came out? Like what, all, what are all the lists that came out? It was a lot of user personal information, um, and actually a lot of people were revealed to be using the sites. A lot of major important people and celebrities as well. Oh, so like the whole user list came out. Yes, the whole user list. Oh, talk about putting people on blast. No kidding. Wasn't there, I don't know if it was Ashley Madison or eHarmony, but didn't the founder either leave their relationship or was cheated on and left what was that whole situation? Wasn't there a situation for that? Yeah, yeah, you're right, actually. Um, the founder of Match.com, Gary ah, Kremen, he lost his girlfriend to someone she met on Match. So he founded Match.com, and then his girlfriend left him for someone she met on Match.com. Yeah, I guess they were just, that was a better compatibility that's that way. How, that's how good the site worked. Yeah, it works, right? <laughs> All right, moving on, we're going to hit Plenty of Fish. It came out in 2003, and OK Cupid came out in 2004. This actually shocked me because I didn't hear about anything before 2012. But these were actually started as um, dating services, like dating website, and then the app came out much later. Both of these focus um, mainly on dating services versus like social networking platforms. But they're both free, so that's probably why everybody uses them. Another one that came out is Seeking Arrangements. It came out in 2006, and this is a site for potential sugar daddies and sugar baby pairings in the U.S. Yep, I tried my hand at that, and I could not find someone to fund my life. Is You wanted to be the sugar baby? Yeah, I was going to be the You're sugar baby. You were looking for a sugar daddy? Oh, yeah. Or a sugar mama? Sugar mama. That's the <laughs> one. No luck. In 2007, Zeus came out. It began as a Facebook app that allowed users to upload photos and rate each other. Oh, so it was a uh, Facebook app first? Yeah. What? And then it became an, uh, an, a regular app after. <laughs> Grinder came out in 2009, which focused on gay, bi, and trans people. I always thought that was an app for skaters to find someone else to play skate with. Oh, that would be a good name for that, though. Grinder? Seriously? I mean... Well, when you're skateboarding, there's a trick called a grind, and like that's what I thought that app was for at first. That's a smart one. I found out it was the wrong thing. <laughs> uh, Tinder and Hinge came out in 2012, and this is my favorite one, Bristol. Bristler. How do you say it? Bristler. How would you say that? Bristler. Bristler came out in 2014, and it pairs men and women that love beards. So you got a thing for beards, huh? Yeah, you can braid it, you can play with it. There's beard oils now? It's cool. Well, why is your voice pitch getting higher? Is this, is... <laughs> I got really excited. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> well, I'm kind of glad that's the end of our list. I don't like these constant reminders of how bad my dating life has been. Not quite. I have one more form of media that I want to talk about. When do you think, without looking at my notes, the first reality show dating started? <laughs> Ooh, you know, this is not my TV genre of choice, but I think the earliest thing I can remember was Blind Date. 2003, 2004, I remember watching Blind Date, but I can't tell you anything else about any dating shows. Well, then you will be surprised to know that the first reality dating show came out in 1965. 1965. Mm -hmm. Reality TV was that was around that long ago? Yeah. What? So we're going to talk about The Dating Game. It started in 1965, and it was on channel ABC. Do you remember it now? I remember it now. <laughs> I remember watching... I remember this being mentioned on, like, the TV Land or, like, mm -hmm. these older uh, cable shows. Yep. Cable channels that mention, like, uh, classic TV. Oh, why didn't I think of this? No one thinks about it. So The Dating Game is basically... It's a show... It played matchmaker for young men and women. Each episode helped one man or one woman find a date with the contestants. So the potential partners were hidden um, out of sight, so they were behind like a wall or something, um, while the contestants made their decision. So you can only hear each other, uh, so you can kind of judge by their voices or ju judge by like their answers that they're given. 
Um, and yeah, and that's, that's set up a lot of people's dating. I think they even went into like a celebrity uh, dating show as really? well. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that, that uh, dating game went all the way and it ended in 1999. So Pretty recent. It, oh, yeah, so it's it not that old. Quite yeah. Honestly. It actually came back. I think they, they brought it back uh, just a few years ago. Really? Mm-hmm. Now that you mentioned Blind Date, when do you think that started? What year do you think that started? Oh, man, you got me on a the spot there. Watching the show, remembering how it played out, to me it just seemed like a modern-day idea that just, just kind of had some kind of, like, you know, daytime television format that just seemed similar to me, like the Steve Wilco show or Jerry Springer. Um, I would say it would be, like, a modern <laughs> thing. Like, I want to I say, like, it came out around 2000, you know? Or early, I want to say 2000, 2001. Well, you're wrong again. What? Yep. Blind Date started in 1985 what? in the U.K., and it went all the way to 2003. Um, and this reality show was similar to the dating game as in, like, the, the game style. But instead of just walking on the other side of the wall to meet that day, this program would send each other to, like, an epic first date. Um, and they would finally meet there. So, like, some would choose, like, going out for ice cream and some would choose, like, a vacation in Belize. Like, they could choose whatever they wanted, apparently. What? A vacation yeah. in Belize? Some people did that. There are some people like went on like a big vacation. I don't know who paid for it. This is this is very different from mm-hmm. the blind date I saw in here in the United States. Did you see them when they just went for for ice cream? They I would just see them go out for dinner basically or drinks, um, and then wherever they went. Sometimes they would arrange um, dates like in like a theme park or mm. or like you know some kind of like carnival fair style you know thing well here like the guy would choose and so i think in the uk they actually sent them out to like different vacation spots or sometimes they would go out for ice cream they mentioned ice cream a lot for some reason or they would go out for like drinks and arcade you know like they got to choose well i want to see this version of blind date that's awesome <laughs> Um, Temptation Island came out in 2001 on Fox. What? I thought that was a recent thing. Yeah, and it's, it's like so, it's such a weird show. Like, okay, Temptation Island, just judging from the name, you know there's drama involved. It took happy-ish couples and they placed all these people in a house to like live together to test their commitment. Like, you know there's going to be drama there. Is it like, so it was meant to like stir the pot then in that case and... Yeah. I, I guess that's what made a reality TV show I mean, Producers know what's, what's going to start drama. Right. Get views, for sure. Okay, another question. When do you think The Bachelor came out? You know what? I never really paid attention, but I want to say close to, like, 2007, like, after I graduated. Wrong again! <laughs> <The fuck? laughs> I'm just saying. No. N- I would never win trivia. Yeah, not, not with this category, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the Bachelor started in 2002, Okay, that's not too far off. It's not, but I had no clue either. I barely heard about it maybe a couple years ago, so I'm really late. But The Bachelor is the first game show-inspired dating show. Oh. Yeah. You mean as in, like, you're, there's prizes involved? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like women are competing for The Bachelor, and only one is going to get chosen. So the dating game didn't have uh, prizes either? It was just strictly... The prize is your date. Really? Yeah. Yeah, this is the first one where you get... Well, I don't know if they got compensation. So they placed 20-ish women to compete for their one true love. So I think this one, you just... You win. But this is where they introduced every uh, week, you kind of... Like, one gets eliminated. That's the game show part of it. It's like, you have to, like, show show your affection out of all these other 20-ish people or else you get eliminated one by one. Oh, so they added game show elements to this mm-hmm. one. Exactly. Okay. That's the um, The Bachelor. Have you watched it? No, I've never watched it. I'm, uh, I can't say I'm big into dating shows. I have, I've only seen maybe half of one season. <laughs> Two. Okay, so we're going to jump into the MTV uh, scene now, which is probably what oh. we're more inclined with. Uh, Room Raiders came out in 2004. What's, what's that? I'm just going to say that this was an obvious staged show. Okay, so... Room Raiders was uh, aimed at younger younger men and women, and the concept was there was either three men or three women put in a van, and each one would get to snoop through the contestants' bedroom, and uh, they get to pick their date based on what they found in the bedroom. 
This sounds invasive as heck. Yeah, no, I, I think the whole, like, I, it was really obvious that it was staged, but it was really popular. Since that was so popular, a few other MTV uh, shows came out. Date My Mom, do you remember that one? Never, nope. I can't say I've ever heard or da- seen that one. I actually saw this one a few times. Date My Mom was <laughs> uh, the guy, the guy who was pursuing a woman would go on a date with the woman's mother to hear how how her child is and and based on what she would say the guy would either pick the daughter or not oh okay so it's not really the mom you're going after which <laughs> exactly. would be weird yeah this isn't stacy's mom <laughs> <laughs> okay so it's okay so you meet the mom and the mom decides whether or not you got the okay to date the daughter not necessarily the mom would more like describe her child describe her her looks or her hobbies and stuff like that and then the the guy would choose, like, if she, if he wants to date the daughter from what the mom said. Well, I can't see how this can go wrong. <laughs> then in 2005, there was Next. Oh, I remember Next. Next was fun. Um, 2006, there was Parental Control, which I actually don't remember. What was Parental Control about? It's about parents who disapprove of their kids' current relationship, so they choose, like, two potential dates and have their kid go on those dates in hopes that their kid would break up with their current boyfriend and or girlfriend and pursue one of the two that they chose. That sounds like a perfect formula, you know? Like <laughs> I guess parents know best, right? Um <laughs> <laughs> Now, we can't move on from reality dating shows until we mention these three. Rock of Love, Flavor <laughs> of Love, and a shot of at love. Have you seen those? I think I've seen a couple of episodes of each one of these. Just mm-hmm. just to laugh, I guess. Yeah. Oh, that's all it's for. So Rock of Love follows Brett Michaels from the band Poison. Every rose <laughs> has its thorn. <laughs> uh, Flavor of Love follows Flavor Flav. And a shot of love. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> With his clocks. Um, a shot of love follows Tila Tequila. Man, they really like their puns, don't they? <laughs> Um, Brett and Flavor Flav is the one I watched the most, but I think I did watch a season of Tequila Tequila. Um, so Brett and Flavor Flav were similar in that they had a handful of women all competing, uh, for these guys' attention. Each episode, one or two would get eliminated and whoever ends up last wins. So it's just like MTV's version of The Bachelor, but with celebrities. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this was MTV or VH1. I get those confused at this point. Oh, but you, you know what? You're right. I think it is VH1. It might be. Um, Tila Tequila was similar, except she had a handful of men and a handful of women competing for her attention. I had a great time watching all of these. It was really fun. <laughs> I, I I thought Tila Tequila was kind of hot back in the day. Oh, she, she was. She definitely. Was. Cool personality, too, back, back in the day. <laughs> Back in the day. Strike that out. Back in the day. (laughs) Nowadays, there's so many reality dating shows that I'm not even going to list all of them. But a few popular ones are Love is Blind, Married (laughs) at First Sight, and Commit or Quit. Love is Blind. Uh, Just recently, (laughs) that had its own fiasco. Do you you remember that? I remember it because I was trying to watch it and I couldn't. I was like, they're refreshing every five seconds and it wouldn't start. What happened? Like, what was going on? Oh, well, pretty much they had a reunion and they announced that it was going to be live um, so that we can find out if people are still together or any drama that was going on on the side. And it was supposed to go live on Netflix and someone messed up. Like, Netflix didn't know how many people were watching or <laughs> they decided last minute not to go live because they wanted to, you know, make sure things aren't being said or done but all of a sudden we had like a massive amount like millions of people trying to get on here and we were just refreshing refreshing all of us on reddit like what the hell is going on on twitter and um (laughs) yeah we couldn't watch it i actually watched it like 24 hours later when it was finally released and everything was bleeped out so like it really wasn't live anymore wow i know (laughs) i remember (laughs) like i for one i didn't know the show was that popular um, I saw it mentioned being met, being mentioned on Reddit mm-hmm. a few times in the front page, um, but I thought it was just uh, just one of those shows, like just just another show or whatever. Yeah. Um, but man, once I found out that that this was going on, and everybody I never thought would watch the show started mentioning it, mm-hmm. I realized 
how big the show was. <laughs> that's that's hilarious and Same insane. Here. Yeah, I had no clue. It was pretty crazy. Well, that's our notes for today for dating shows. You know, I am glad that you swiped right on us today so you can join us on this cavalcade of dating technology and history. Yeah, there was a lot more things to research than I thought. I thought it just dating apps, and then it went to websites, and then it went to pre, you know, computer dating services. It was, it was a lot. There's a lot to cover on this one. <laughs> well, I know this was our second episode. We bit off a bit more than we could chew here. We're not gonna lie. <laughs> had a good time doing it though. We <sighs> had a, like memory. What is a trip down memory lane here? <laughs> With your TV shows. <laughs> yep. Uh, anyways, so uh, just like we promised earlier, um, you waited for us and now we can tell you where you can reach us for our socials and any upcoming projects that we have. So Mima, why don't you tell us what you got going on? Well, you can find me on social media at uh, memes underscore techatory. Uh, you can find memes techatory under memes tech group. That's the uh, IG handle there. Um, so one project, one big project we got going on, as you guys know, we have this podcast. Yeah. Exciting stuff. You could also check out the Memes Territory YouTube channel. I have a great uh, Azure prep course coming up. So if you're into cloud computing or just IT in general, definitely check that out. Also in the works is we're going to film us building two custom keyboards with some neat features like wireless and a couple of built-in OLED screens. So stay tuned for that. Mm -hmm. We also are planning on filming this Hot Ones parody episode for Mima. So for like a quick Q&A about her and other technology-related things, even her experience in the technology world. Yeah, while eating hot wings, which I am excited for. I am not. I can't handle spicy. <laughs> and on top of that, too, um, we have a video coming up about custom servers and setting up your own RAID array. And I'm excited for that because that's going to be a great upgrade for my place. And it's going to be freaking exciting, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, so where can we where can we find you? What are your handles? As for me, though, I don't have any social media handles at the moment. I am working on that. But in due time, you will see the handle soon at the end of the podcast and maybe around Instagram, around Mima's Instagram. So stay tuned for that, okay? As always, thank you so much for joining us today, and I hope to see you soon. I am Mima. And I am Johnny G. And we are... Transonic Keyboard! Oh, is there a game today? Dodgers are going to play. Hello.